Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. If you're watching with us online, uh, just really excited you're joining with us too for week number one of this new series. We're called Win- it's called Winning the War in Your Mind. And this is actually, as, as was kind of mentioned a little bit ago, this is actually a book that was written by another pastor, Craig Rochelle, who pastors a church in Oklahoma. And so maybe uh, last week for you kind of symbolized a very significant spiritual step. Maybe it was the first time you came to church. Um, if you're watching online, maybe it was the first time that you actually came back to church in quite a while over all that's happened over the last couple of years. Uh, or maybe you were uh, one of the people who actually last week took the step to put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus. And across the Zero Collective, we saw well over 100 people who did that over Easter weekend, which is just an incredible thing. And we are celebrating with you if that's what you did and you took that step. Um, so this uh, is going to be a great series to dig into as we kind of say, what's next? How do we actually begin to engage and follow after Jesus in our lives? And so I actually, to be honest, I can only count on one hand the number of times we've done something like this, where we've taken like a book uh, written by someone else and um, made it into a sermon series and, and walked through it together. But our teaching team, which uh, is the lead pastors and myself who, who put together um, kind of the, we try to listen to the Holy Spirit and just kind of discern where does God want us to go for the sermons and the teachings for all four Zero Collective churches Uh, We just really felt like this is a great series for us to dig into, uh, talking about our minds, talking about the battle that we have in our minds, and how do we engage that. And so I want to begin this morning um, with a quote by the author, Craig Rochelle. This is from the book. He says this, in 10 years, we will each look in the mirror and someone will stare back. That person will be shaped by the thoughts of today. The life we have is a reflection of what we think. So in 10 years, who's going to be staring back at you in the mirror? What you're thinking about today is what will steer that. And so the simple question I want to begin this whole series with is, do I like the direction my thoughts are taking me? Do you? Do you like the direction that your thoughts are taking you in your life right now? Uh, When I turned 30... Uh, I decided I was going to start running on a regular basis. I was going to try to get in shape, you know, try to, you know, uh, the metabolism started to slow down. You know, I was trying to do that. And so actually, um, there's another guy here at Frontline, a good friend of mine, and he and I have run together for years and years now. On Wednesday nights, we get together and we run. And it's a way that we can just keep challenging each other and keeping each other accountable. And uh, as we have both gotten more elderly and infirmed over the last few years, although I would say he's way more elderly and infirm than I am, Um, I've learned something about running over all these years. And here's what I've learned about long distance running. The 80-20 rule applies. Okay. So in other words, running is 80% mental and it's 20% physical. Yes, there is a physical component. Yes, you have to train your body to be able to have the capacity to run for miles and miles. But 80% of it is actually mental. 
Okay, in other words, it's not the hill that you're on that gets you. It's the five hills before it that wore you down mentally. That's what actually gets to you. Uh, marathon runners will tell you that you train and train and train so that your body has the capacity to run that distance. 26.2 miles is a marathon. But really, as you get into a marathon, those, those final few miles, anybody will tell you who's done it, it's all mental. It's just a mental game. Can't, do you have the mental acuity and the toughness to push yourself through those final miles? Um, so what happens to me oftentimes is it's, for some reason, it's mile three. That's the, that's the backbreaker for me. At mile three, it's like all these thoughts just start to go into my head, especially in the last year, coming off of having chemotherapy a year ago. And so I just, I wrote down, here's some of the lies. Literally, as I, I'm at about mile three, here's what the thoughts that start to enter my head as I'm running. Uh, you're in terrible shape. <laughs> that, that goes through my head. Um, you are too old to be running this pace. I, I try to push myself to run under an eight-minute mile as an average, and it's like, man, why am I, this is, I'm too old to do this. Um, chemo messed you up. That thought runs through my head. Like, chemo messed you up. Your body just can't do this anymore. Uh, you're not going to be able to finish this run. You might as well stop now. Those are the thoughts that begin to crowd in at mile three. <laughs> I do not like where those thoughts are taking me. I don't like where they, because if I listen to those thoughts, if I don't do something to engage those thoughts, I'm not going to finish that run. I will quit. Even though physically maybe I could do it, I, will, I won't. I'll finish right there in that moment. And so, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? Have you ever thought about that? The direction your thoughts are taking you? Because if you start with lies and faulty assumptions, it will not lead to anywhere good. And that's not just true of us as individuals. It's also true when you think about like human history. Did you realize at one time in our world, people would turn around and stop explorations. They would come home and they wouldn't explore their world fully because people believed that the earth was flat. Actually, I've discovered there are some people who still believe the earth is flat. And if that's you, please do not send me an email. I do not wish to hear from you or debate with you. If you're Kyrie Irving and you play for the NBA, I guess you can believe whatever you want. But... Uh, people literally turned around and came back because they thought if they kept sailing out in the ocean, they would fall off the edge of the earth because the earth was flat. And so our, our thoughts shape our behaviors, they shape our actions, they shape where we go. And so uh, the question or the statement I really want to make here is that we are in a spiritual battle with our minds. Now, I want you to see that. It's a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle battle with our minds. Now, why do I take the time to really point that out? It's because most of us don't act like we are in a spiritual battle very often. We're not going around acting like that's the case in our lives. And as a result, we're not exploring our lives in Christ fully. We're not fully exploring what God has for us because we don't realize that what's happening in our minds, our thoughts, and the way our, our, our thoughts are shaping us is a spiritual battle. For most of us, we go around and we just kind of accept, well, this is just the way it is. My thoughts are just the way they are. There's nothing I can do about them. I'm powerless against them. Whatever's going to happen is what happens. But that is not at all how Paul speaks to the New Testament church. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That's going to be kind of our anchor passage for this whole series. You'll hear it uh, more than once throughout this series. 
And again, we mentioned this last week, but if you, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you, obviously version you can download that as a Bible app. Uh, but we also have Bibles on these racks. Um, if you're newer and you don't have a physical Bible and you'd like one, you can grab one of those and just take it. It's yours. Uh, we'd love to be able to gift you with that uh, today. But Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about the spiritual battle in our minds. And this is what he says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so Paul is describing the spiritual battle in our minds. And a couple words I just want to pull out of there and make sense of. Uh, one, he, he says, uh, the, divine, the, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? A stronghold, uh, especially in biblical times, referred to like a bunker where your enemy was hiding. It, it was a place where your enemy was hiding out. And you, and you had to go in there and sort of root the enemy out. And so a stronghold uh, in our lives is our minds. It's, it's uh, the lies that we believe. The enemy actually has strongholds in our minds because of lies that we believe. And so how do we root those out? Uh, what Paul says is we've got to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what, we're, that's what the aim of the spiritual battle is, to take captive our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Now, what's interesting is if you uh, read this passage in the original language, the Greek language that was written in, that uh, phrase, take captive every thought, that's, there are different verb tenses just like we have. That uh, verb tense for that was continuous. Okay, in other words, it, it isn't just saying, hey, you become a Christian, and so you, you know, in that moment, you take captive your thoughts. It's like a one-time deal, one and done. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's the spiritual battle we're constantly engaging in. We are continuously having to take captive our thoughts. Why? Because we believe lies. There are these strongholds that take root in our minds. And so we're constantly taking captive our thoughts and making them obedient to Christ. So he says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but they have power to demolish those lies, those strongholds. So what are the weapons that we fight with? Well, some of those are obvious right? Uh, The Bible, the word of God, uh, um, prayer would be another one. That's that's another way we fight against this battle and we take captive our thoughts is is through prayer. Uh, I would say in biblical community, joining together with other believers who have the power to, to actually speak truth into our lives where we're believing the lies of the enemy. Uh, Another one is by actually on a, on a regular basis, living out Uh, the truth of the gospel, coming to church, attending church on a regular basis to allow God's word to be preached and spoken to us. I mean, these are all weapons, but just because you have those weapons or you know about those weapons does not ensure victory. And so the main idea I want us to get as we're engaging week one here of this series is this idea that you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot defeat the lies, the strongholds of the enemy unless you have defined them. Because the lies you're believing might be a little bit different than the lies I believe. But at some level, we've all believed lies about who we are. And God wants to speak truth into our lives. And so we have to start by identifying the lies or the strongholds that we believe. 
And so here's what I want to do. In the next few minutes, I just want to give you some very, very, we're going to get very practical. I want to give you some very practical ways of actually beginning to identify lies that you believe for the enemy so that you can begin to take captive every thought. Okay, so go ahead if you could. These are steps to identifying lies. First one is identify the problem. So identify the problem that's happening in your life. Ask questions about the problem. Just begin to ask questions about, about what's happening, what's underneath, and then begin to identify what is the lie that's underneath that problem. So I'll give you a couple examples. Just leave that up on the screen for, for a second. Uh, maybe you're addicted to shopping. And so you identify the problem. Uh, I'm going into credit card debt. I can't stop buying stuff on Amazon. I, I get excited like a, like a dopamine hit every time the Amazon truck pulls up in my driveway. Is this you, anybody else? Uh, so you identify the problem. This is, not a, this is not a good thing. I'm going to go farther and farther in debt. So then you begin to ask questions about the problem. I mean, questions obviously like, well, why, do I, why can I not stop buying things on Amazon? But even underneath that, maybe a great question to ask would be, what's the real need? What's the real need that I have that I, I keep buying things? I mean, I buy things and I buy things and maybe it, it solves a temporary need, but the real need isn't getting met. And that's why I have to keep buying more and more and more. What is that? What, what's, what need is being unmet in my life? And then you get to the point where you can identify what's the lie underneath. Well, maybe, maybe the lie that's underneath it is, I just believe that I'm, I'm not enough. No matter what, I, what I bring to the table just isn't good enough. I'm not beautiful enough, whatever it is. And so I constantly need something to prop myself up, something to add to myself. That's the lie. Do another example. Uh, maybe you worry all the time. Maybe you have constant anxiety and worry. So you identify the problem. The problem is I, I'm trying to control every aspect of my future. I try to control everything about my life. And when I can't be in control of everything in my life or for my future, I, I, it causes me all kinds of anxiety. I begin to worry. So then you begin to ask questions about the problem. Maybe, maybe the question is, what's the, what's the fear underneath What's the fear? If, I, if I'm not in control, if I don't have control, what am I afraid of ultimately? Maybe a question you ask is, when did this start? Maybe you can pinpoint a time in your life, you go, there was this event, there was this thing that happened in my life, and that's when this whole like, needing to control everything and this constant worry and anxiety, maybe you can draw it back to a specific time in your life. You just begin to ask questions about what's underneath that. And then you get to a point where you can identify the lie. Maybe the lie you've believed is, uh, I'm all alone. God's not going to come through for me. I have to control my future. I have to control every aspect because basically it's just me. God isn't going to provide. He isn't going to be there. I can't trust him. And so I'm basically on my own to figure this all out. Maybe that's the lie. But that's, that's what we do is we begin to just ask questions and we begin to get to a point where we can identify the lie. Now, once you've identified the lie, and again, this is going to take some time. I realize what I'm talking about. It's easy to talk about, but it, it, it's going to require some work to kind of dig in for each one of us and kind of identify this in our lives. But once you identify the lie, then the way that you take captive the thought, the main principle for this uh, week one, it's called the replacement principle is what Craig Rochelle calls it. It's a simple idea of remove the lie and replace it with truth. How do we combat the lies that we believe? Once you can identify and define what the lie is, you have to replace it with truth. And what is, where do we find truth? We find truth in the word of God. We find truth in what God says about us in his word and who Jesus says we are. That's where we find truth. So in Philippians 4, 
from the bottom of a very deep, dark uh, Roman prison, Paul speaks these words to the church in Philippi. And if you've been a Christian uh, many, many years, you probably have heard this verse over and over and over again. But allow it to just hit you afresh. Again, Paul says these words in Philippians 4. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, again, we're replacing the lies with truth. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I want you to see how, how this works. First, he says, whatever's true, we, we take the lies and we replace them with truth. Whatever's true, we think about those things. So it begins with our thoughts. The battle is in our minds. It begins with our thoughts. But then he says, uh, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. When we begin to think on truth, it begins to affect the way we behave. It begins to affect the way we live and the way we're practicing. And then once we're putting it into practice, then it leads to experience. And the God of peace will be with you. So it moves from thought to action to then we get to actually experience the peace of God. We get to experience the joy of the Lord. We get to experience what it means to actually uh, live out what Jesus, the life that Jesus called us to. So that's what Paul calls us to do. So again, I'm going to go through uh, very, very practically then. Once you've identified the lie, how do you replace the lie with truth? So you, you kind of start with the lie, and then you, you make a, a declaration of this is what the truth is. You find in Scripture, this is the truth I need to speak into my life. And then what you do is you actually write a declaration. Very similar to what we just did a moment ago in, during the worship set. If you uh, were joined in with us online or if you were here in the room, you know, uh, we just took a moment and just made a declaration and sang about this is the truth of who God is. So this declaration, you're going to basically shape it and it's going to become like a prayer that you pray. It's going to like maybe you start your day with it and you just begin to declare every single day this, this truth and what it is. So again, uh, to try to give you just kind of a, an, an example of this, maybe the lie, if once you get to the point where you've identified the lie, maybe the lie is, well, I'm a victim. Nothing good ever happens to me. Maybe that's the lie you're believing. And so then you begin to say, well, what does, the, what does Scripture say? And so Romans 8 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? In all things, we are actually more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. That's the truth of God's word. You're not a victim. You are not, it's not true that nothing good ever happens to you. God has called you to be more than a conqueror in him. And so then maybe what the declaration is, uh, just as an example, every day you, be, you begin to pray and you begin to say, God tells me I'm not a victim, but I'm a victor in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, another example, maybe kind of going back to the, the one before, maybe you, you worry and you have anxiety. Maybe you've identified the lie is God can't be trusted. I'm all alone. I'm basically on my own. I, I have to take care of me. God can't be trusted. So what's the truth that speaks to that? Again, going to the same passage of scripture, Romans 8, it says this, God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's the truth of God's word. God can be trusted. Uh, you're not just on your own, but he is actively involved in your life in every detail, and you can let go of having to control everything, and you can trust him. So the declaration then, if you were to shape a declaration around that, 
Uh, maybe what you would say is God loves me and knows me more than I know and love myself. He has my best interests in mind and he will provide what I need. The, you know, early Christians, uh, you know, they wrote the creed. They wrote these declarations of this is what it is. This is what we believe because they recognize there is a spiritual battle that we're engaged in and, and we have to allow it to permeate our minds. It goes from our thoughts to our actions and then it goes to our experience. But oftentimes we get that backward. We say, well, God, if you could just, you know, if I could just kind of have this perfect experience of peace, then I could shape my thoughts around that. But that's not what we're called to. We're, to, we're called to take captive our thoughts. We're called to make them obedient to Christ. And when we do that, then we experience the peace of God in our lives. We begin to experience what it means to follow after him. So uh, I want to give you a tool if I could. And I, I really hope that you're going to dig into it, to this and engage. I know it's one thing to listen to this. It's going to be something else to actually take this and go, okay, what is it for me? And kind of turn it toward, your, toward yourself and go, what, what is the problem in my life? And begin to identify the lie. What's, what's the questions I need to ask to get to the lie underneath? And then how do I begin to explore how God wants to replace that lie with truth? That's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. And so uh, just a, a resource we'd love to give you um, is if you use this QR code, and we'll leave this up here. Uh, if you want to grab your phone, you can even, even grab it. This is a, a, a free like devotional that you can download. And so every day as, you're, as we're going through this series over the next month or so, um, every morning you can kind of read through and make it part of your daily devotions just to read along with us. It'll give you something to kind of engage with every single day as we're going through this. So you can either uh, download it from the Zero Collective app that's here on the right, or you can um, go to just our website, use that QR code, and you can download it for free. It'll take you right to the spot where you can do that for frontlinegr.com. And then also, Cody mentioned this, but I want to mention it also if you're, if you're just now tuning in online. Um, today, uh, after the second service, we are going to be having our newcomers lunch. And so uh, it's going to be a time for us to gather together. And the content for newcomers lunch is going to center around this, uh, this content that we're talking about. So even if you're not brand new, but you haven't gotten connected yet, and you'd like to dig in with this series and get connected, please come to lunch. We ordered a truckload of food, just hoping that we could just feed as many people as possible. So please come hang out with us. Um, even if you're watching at home, you can make your way over by after the second service and do that. Um, but I hope you'll do this. I hope you'll engage with it. So we'll leave that up on the screen, but I thought I would just kind of give you an example of, okay, so what is it for me? Maybe if I go first, it'll kind of give you an example of this. So I've been engaging with this and thinking about uh, how does this land in my life? And so what are the lies that I believe, if I could identify that? Uh, well, if you've been a part of Frontline for a while, you know this. If you're brand new, you may, may not know that in January, we made an announcement that we are right now in a three-year transition as a church. So over the next three years, David Dorner, who's been our teaching pastor and discipleship and groups pastor, is going to be stepping in to become the lead pastor of Frontline over the next three years. And I am over the next three years, I'm still going to be around, but I am stepping more and more into being the lead pastor of the Zero Collective, this network that uh, currently is, is right now four churches in the greater Grand Rapids area. And so I got to tell you, um, something I'm so excited about with this, even since we've made the announcement, is just the incredible opportunities I'm getting. Even this past week, I, I was at another church's board meeting. I've gotten the chance to connect with pastors who are saying, I, I need help in, in our area and who are wanting to be a part of our network, wanting to be uh, a part of what we're doing. 
We're talking about new works of God that's happening. And really what I feel like is happening is God, in my 40s, he's moving me from uh, addition to multiplication. That's what I really feel like is happening in my life. And that's incredibly exciting. I feel like what I'm doing is, is getting to move from just addition, like one church, to moving to multiplication. We had this uh, last week with Easter, with four churches working together, we had by far the largest Easter impact in terms of the reach and in terms of the, the impact in people's lives, by far more than any other year in the history of our church. And that is just an exciting thing to see how God is continuing to move. And so I, I know he's not done. I, I believe this is going to continue to grow. And so all that's exciting. But what I didn't anticipate since we made the announcement in January is that while the impact is, is going up and the significance of that, of what we're doing is going up and what I'm getting to be a part of, the visibility, I'm realizing I'm stepping into a season of life where I'm going to be less visible. Um, so it's, a, it's more of a coaching and mentoring role. It's going to be more behind the scenes. I mean, I still will preach. I'll preach at all the different churches, including here from time to time. But it's going to be a much less visible role. And I'm realizing um, people don't naturally get it. Um, they're even some of my closest friends in ministry, since we've made the announcement, have just been like, what are you doing? They don't understand what I'm doing. They don't understand why I would even want to do it. Like, why right now, at this point in your life, at this point in your ministry, why would you want to do something like that? And so it's been kind of actually like this exciting time, but also there's been kind of this loneliness to it too. And so I began to just engage with that and say, okay, what, you know, what's the lie underneath that? What's the lie that I'm believing how is the enemy coming in and wanting to put a stronghold in my brain on that? I feel like in some ways it's like mile three of the run. I feel like I've hit mile three of the run and I've got these thoughts and these lies coming in. And so the way the lies sound in my head is, you know, if I don't hog the spotlight, if I don't cling to visibility and make it all about me, then I'm going to be forgotten. My value is going to be go down. Nobody's going to see or appreciate what I'm doing or the investment I'm making. And I'm going to be a has-been a used to be and not really um, seen or valued. Those are the lies. And so uh, I began to just say, okay, God, what's the truth of, of your word? And, and what he led me to, uh, John 15 actually has become, over the last few years for me, has become just a really special, sacred passage to me. John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, and John 15 too, what he says is, I prune every branch that is fruitful in order to make it more fruitful. I cut things off of branches that are fruitful so they can become even more fruitful. And so he's the vine, I'm the branch. My job is just to abide in him. And so this is the declaration I wrote. And so I'll, I, this is kind of the one I'll share with you as I've kind of processed through all this we've been talking about. So I'm gonna be praying this week as the branch, right? He's the vine, I'm the branch. As the branch, I can trust God in the pruning process that he sees and understands what he has called me to. And he will make me more fruitful for his kingdom as I trust him. That's the declaration. That's the truth of God's word that I need right now. But mine's different than yours. So what is it that you need to dig into? What lies, can you identify it? What lies do you every single day find yourself battling against? It's a mental battle. It's in our minds. Where do you need 
to experience the truth of God's word of who you really are in Christ and where do you need to begin to just declare that every single day. Now, one more thing before we close, because if I closed right now, I think I would be doing you a horrible disservice. Because here's what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid, if if you're watching online, if you're here in this room, what I'm afraid that you've just heard me say over the last several minutes is, okay, go out there and try harder to change your thinking. Go out there and try harder to think better thoughts. And if that's what you heard today, uh, you, you missed the biggest point of anything I could possibly share with you. And then the truth of the matter is you can't do it on your own. That's why we need the help. That's why we need each other in the body of Christ. That's why we need the word of God. It's why we needed Jesus. As my friend Greg Dempster says on a regular basis, he says, inability is the currency of the kingdom. I love that line. Inability. In other words, coming to Jesus and just saying, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Truth is found in the word of God. And what the word of God tells us is that Jesus was the word of God become flesh. And in John 14, what Jesus actually says about himself is he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me except through me. So Jesus doesn't just have some truth. Okay, Jesus isn't just like a good example. If you like try to follow him, he, he listened to truth. Maybe I could follow him, be like him. Jesus doesn't, isn't just a source of truth. Jesus himself is the very truth that we need to replace the lies in our lives that we believe. That's the truth. And so I'd love if I could, if we could just close, uh, if you bow with me, if you're watching online as well, and let's just go to Jesus. Let's go to the throne of, I can't do it myself, but, you, but he can do it for us. So Jesus, we just come to you. It's no secret uh, that if we could change our thinking on our own, if we could fix ourselves, we would have done it already by now. And so our declaration this morning is that we need you. We recognize that any change that happens in our life happens because we surrender ourselves to you. So Jesus, I pray that you would come and that you would be the very truth that replaces the lies of the enemy in our lives. God, for some of us, for some of my brothers and sisters, uh, the lies have been deep and they go back to wounds way in the past from childhood, from things that have played themselves out in devastating ways, distortions that have led to just feeling constantly worthless, constantly alone. And it's, it's played itself out in lifestyle choices and decisions that have just wreaked havoc. So right now, Jesus, uh, we want this morning, we want this time to be a moment where we are reclaiming the ground that has been taken by the enemy. We want to say, Jesus, that that is our lives are yours. Our thoughts are yours. Our minds are yours. And we give you full control of them right now. We turn ourselves to you. We recognize we can't come up with answers on our own thinking. We ask you by your spirit and by your word to give us the truth that we need to begin to live out transformation in our lives, to follow after you in everything. And we know you can do it. We know you do do it. We've seen you do it again and again and again. You didn't just do it in the past. You want to do it today. And so we surrender ourselves to you and to your work that you want to do in our lives, God, beginning in our minds, we ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.